I would take the train down and I would spend two or three days learning the area, working with a realtor, talking to neighbors, sitting with locals, eating, restaurants, doing as much research as possible to find out more or less what people were thinking, how they were feeling, what type of tenants would be in the areas I was looking. Hey, investors, you are listening to the Investing to Win podcast, the show dedicated to empowering investors to achieve financial freedom and live your best life. This show is committed to offering honest conversation between investors, common sense strategies, real-time market updates, and professional guidance to achieving financial freedom. Investing doesn't have to be super hands-on or complicated. We are all about passive investments with real gain, so you have freedom of time and money. Your host is none other than Garrett Wong, who brings decades of experience in buying, renovating, and managing cash flow investment properties. Thanks for being here and get ready to invest to win. Hello, investors. This is Garrett Wong, your host of the Investing to Win podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming special guest, Daryl Collin. Daryl, how are you? I'm very well, my friend. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. For those of you who don't know, I am um, bringing on an actual investor. I had one on uh, Matt Landsborough a few weeks ago to give us a perspective on why somebody uh, from out of province from the West in BC would be investing in Manitoba. And I brought Daryl on today to give his perspective because he's uh, from Ontario. Um, but what I'd like to always start with is uh, maybe, Daryl, if you could introduce yourself to the audience and maybe give a little bit of background. Absolutely. I am born and raised in Toronto, Ontario. I've been here for the majority of my life. My path to where I am today started many, many years ago. I was about 15 or 16, still in high school and had a summer job working in a corrugation company, uh, working for about two months out of the summer. Living at home, I had accumulated, I guess what I would say would be my first um, big savings and checks. And I didn't know where to invest this money. I knew that I wanted to put it somewhere. And this money just sat there in a, in a savings account for the majority of the summer. And I had um, went to my local bank at the time and had a little bit of knowledge on mutual funds. Uh, back then, you know, computers were, the internet was just starting to, to get active. So I was going through prospectuses that I found at the local branch and I had made an appointment in wanting to invest. And after having a discussion with one of the banking advisors there, I was told that I was more or less too young to invest and I should just keep my money into a savings account. And I kind of left the bank a little bit discouraged. Here I am, with a summer of full-time earnings at a part-time job and all I wanted to do was invest my money and I was told to basically leave it in my bank account. And I had left the bank kind of scratching my head, what can I do with this money and why was I turned away? And it was more or less at that moment that I had decided that I'm going to pay an interest or I had a, an interest in investing and putting my money to work, so to say. Uh, we'll fast forward maybe about seven or eight years later, I had enrolled in a financial planning program at one of the local community colleges. And after finishing, I ended up working at a major bank as a financial advisor. Ironically enough, I ended up being 
the financial advisor that had turned me away when I was 15 or 16 years old. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Anyhow, after about a seven-year role as a financial advisor, I was dealing with about 600 households. And we had a, an investment requirement um, or a production requirement of 60% investments and about 40% in retail and, and mortgage lending as our targets for the year. And what had ended up happening was I slowly developed a larger percentage of my portfolio into mortgage lending. There was more of a need for mortgage restructuring, mortgage lending. And my role ended up being more from a financial advisor to a mortgage specialist. What ended up happening after that is we, I more or less came to an acknowledgement that I was stuck offering only one product that was available through one major lender. And there were other options available to my clients that I was more or less living on the table for them. After a long, hard discussion with my manager, I had resigned and started a role as a mortgage agent in early 2007, early 2000, uh, about 2007, 2008. And I had left the bank and now working as a full-time mortgage agent for the last 15 years. So my career had uh, been sparked by an interest in learning to invest money and what to do with it. Wow. That's, <laughs> I, you know, hearing that in high school and, you know, I, I think um, young people don't get enough credit. I was at a, I was actually in Toronto a couple of weeks ago for the multifamily investment conference and they made all of these 17 and 18 year olds stand up and there was, there was a handful and I'm just like, you know, these young, young men and women, like they are there to learn and I'm here 52 years old. I wish I had started that young, you know? Um, so good on you. Uh, I just, you know, I think there's a lot of barriers to young people to, to wanting to be equals and uh, to, to be told, just leave your money in a, a savings account. That's ludicrous. But yeah, 15 years in mortgage lending, you must have seen just tons of cycles. Um, you will probably have to have you on uh, another time to talk about that. But um, let, let's talk about your portfolio. Why don't you uh, give us a summary of what it looks like? You know, how many units, what provinces are you currently investing? That type of thing. Yeah. So right now I have a portfolio. We have roughly, or I have roughly about um, five properties. Duplex in Windsor, Ontario, which is southwestern Ontario. Uh, we have a townhouse in Welland, Niagara region, London, Ontario. There is a condominium. And I have two duplexes in Winnipeg, all bought at different times. First property was uh, purchased in 2013, and we're only up into 2023 right now. So that that's interesting because you say you you live in Toronto. I, I know that you know when people talk about the GTA and um, different areas around there, but like Niagara is not GTA. So even back then, like what made you actually? I'll back up. What made you choose to invest in real estate? I mean, you're obviously a mortgage financial planner. You went through lots and lots of RSP type training. Why real estate? I was looking for diversification. Um, you mentioned earlier working as a financial advisor. Most of my sites were on investments, mutual funds, equities, 
stocks, bonds. And I was looking for diversification. I wasn't fully aware of the need at the time to fully diversify or to have a fully diversified portfolio. A hard asset such as real estate was something that I was missing. And I was a bit intimidated by the required work that I thought would be needed within real estate. Buying the property, renovating the property, if I'm looking to rent it out, putting tenants within it, all of that while trying to maintain a full-time job and career seemed like a very daunting task to me. Whereas investing in mutual funds, yeah, I mean, just investing in a mutual fund or with inequities was extremely passive. The management was already in place. Um, there was really nothing to do but sit and wait. And in some cases, pray. <laughs> yeah. Praying in investments don't uh, doesn't work too well. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, so is the duplex in Windsor, was that your first property? It was my first property, yeah. Okay. And how, how far of a drive is Windsor from, I mean, where you live in Toronto? Looking at about a five-hour drive. Five-hour drive. Okay. So try to uh, get the audience into your head a little bit here because, you know, living in Winnipeg, we kind of just, oh, I'm thinking of investing. I'm going to drive 15 minutes. I think that's a good neighborhood. You kind of look around. What made you choose your very first property five hours away? In 2008, 2009, we had a major disruption in the financial markets, as you know, in the U.S. And the auto sector, sector was greatly affected at that time. Windsor, Ontario is primarily known for their automotive industry. And they were hit really hard at that time. Property values had plummeted. Banks and lenders were actually pulling back on their availability of lending at that time. And I developed an interest in distressed assets that had the possibility long-term to maybe reestablish itself. So I saw an opportunity to find property very cheap, could be rented at a fair price, and I had a long-term view. So I ended up spending some time in Windsor, Ontario. And as difficult as it might have seemed for a lot of people to see, I saw all the infrastructure in place for viable businesses to continue running, whether it would be within the automotive industry or something else. Windsor, Ontario was very close to the border. I spent some time down there, learned the area, and decided that this is where I'm going to purchase my first investment property. So very methodical, as most financial planners are. You did your homework, you went there. Walk me through your first rental property then here. Like, was it distressed? What, what type of things did you learn from this duplex? Yeah, I'd say after spending about a month, I would take the train down and I would spend two or three days learning the area, working with a realtor, talking to neighbors, sitting with locals, eating, restaurants, doing as much research as possible to find out more or less what people were thinking, how they were feeling, what type of tenants would be in the areas I was looking. And I had been looking at a few duplexes and, and, and one had come up. The price point was extremely cheap at the time. We were looking at about 90,000. There were two units in there. Both were rented at a fair price. And I decided that the price point was favorable. It cash flowed. So in a worst case scenario, all I had to do was more or less get paid while I wait for the market to turn around and do some possible renovations when there was a tenant turnover. It was a little bit challenging to get mortgage financing at the time. 
the banks were very hesitant to want to lend money. No one could really wonder why I wanted to invest in Windsor. It was very difficult to get uh, financing. We're looking back at 2013. Unemployment rates were really high. Uh, the, automotive, the automotive sector cut a lot of jobs. So it was definitely challenging to get financing. But I ended up finding a credit union that was comfortable to do so. And I ended up purchasing the property. I assumed the existing tenants. It cash flowed right from the beginning. It was under market rent, but it was my first property. So I didn't want to push it too much. I wanted to acquire the asset. It worked, it cash flowed. I was happy to let it run while we kind of waited to see what was going on in the market. Okay. And like, I know things have recovered, although I don't know Windsor at all. What does Windsor look like today? There's been a tremendous uh, recovery. I'd say we were probably looking at 2013 and acquisition price was about $90,000. I'd say we're probably looking at an appraised value today of about four four hundred and twenty-five thousand. Wow. So over a 10 year period, we've had uh, a a very big uh, uptick in immigration, investment within Windsor. Uh, I believe we are now... I think we're close to finalizing. I don't want to speak too soon, but they have one of the, if not the biggest lithium or electric battery plant that is actually going into the city. Um, so much has changed for the better and banks are, and lenders are a little bit more willing to lend in that area now, so to say. So, and what was, you said Niagara and then London, was the townhouse Niagara the second one you, you purchased? Yes, it was. Yes. So, I mean, my natural question, I mean, my goodness, you're taking the train every weekend, you're doing in-person research. The internet was a thing back then, and that's what most people do. They go to the internet, and here's Daryl taking a train every weekend and, and talking to local shops. Like, I love it. So my natural question is, your second property, why not invest in Windsor again? Why would you go south? Again, I come from a financial planning background, and I, I just... Diversification. I, I didn't want to put everything within one area. I mean, it worked well in hindsight. I probably could have doubled up in Windsor and th- maybe that's something very similar. But why put all my eggs in one basket? I'm already five hours away from one property. I'm able to make it work. I could be three hours or two hours closer and invest in, I wouldn't say a similar market, but I had the same idea of, of, uh, of investing with a, with, a, with a purchase. I wanted to find something that was undervalued, a little bit distressed, very good area, close to transit stops. I wasn't shy at this point to invest further out to where I'm living within Toronto. Welland, Ontario, which is in the Niagara region, is, is not as far as, as Welland. So it was very comfortable. That was the, the second purchase. And um, that as well runs smoothly. There has definitely been appreciation in the market since that original purchase as well. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, I, I just I'm kind of astounded at the amount of research. And when people say diversification, it's kind of like, well, I'll buy a three bedroom this time and I'll buy a four bedroom next time. You literally went to a completely different market as a safeguard. I mean, you know, what foresight and obviously nobody has a crystal ball, but, um, you know, the appreciation in Windsor, I would say at credit to you that you did your homework and you predicted well. You know, at, at what point did you start thinking about investing in other provinces? I'd say we were in about 2016, 2017 
the brokerage firm that I work with, my head broker had a relationship and was associated with a head of a, a MIC, a mortgage investment corporation in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Again, I was looking for diversification within my investments. I wanted to stick within real estate. I was relatively new to mix at the time and had invested money within the mix. And over a two-year period, I was seeing returns coming back at eight, nine, nine and a half percent year over year, which are fairly decent returns. Um, and it was consistent. I became a little bit curious to what types of property this mix was invested in and was introduced to um, the gentleman that actually is heading the MIC. And he started explaining the Winnipeg market to me. And the more he explained, the more interested I became. The more I looked into it, the more I realized that this is the type of market that I would be very interested in. It seemed, uh, I want to say this in a, uh, in a good way, but it seemed very boring. There was no... <laughs> No hydrations, no hydrations in price. There was no fluctuations. It was much different than Toronto and, and the surrounding areas. It was just flat, consistent growth year over year. I, I, I knew what to expect after looking at the numbers. And I'm the type of person that just likes to almost set it and forget it. And it was very comfortable because I had a very good understanding of what to expect from the market in, in, in Winnipeg from what was being explained to me and what I had saw. Yeah. I always uh, tell out of province investors when they call, I mean, cause usually, you know, property managers are one of the first people to get the phone call when somebody's wanting to break into a market. And I always say it's kind of the little engine that could, it just keeps chugging along. You, you're right. You don't have the spikes, but it's consistent, flat, but slightly increasing growth, like year after year, after year, after year. Yeah, very consistent. Okay, so you're now interested in the Winnipeg market. You taking the train here every weekend to do research? What happened after that? I, after doing my own uh, research, I ended up, I was introduced to a realtor. And my primary focus at the time was looking at a long-term cash flowing investment property. After some research, after some back and forth in conversation with the realtor, I flew down to Winnipeg to go look at these properties. I'd say we probably had about 10 or 12 on the list that were of interest to me. And after looking at a few of them, the realtor is, you know what? Why don't you buy and renovate one? He, we, we kind of looked at some of the numbers and some of the properties that we were looking at. Uh, they were a little bit dated, not significant renovations, mostly strategic, but enough where it would require a renovation budget. And started looking at the numbers and the returns. And I'm like, you know, this looks like it could work. Like, let's, let's take a look at this. And I'm, I'm interested to dive into it further. Um, so we ended up purchasing a condo. Uh, we were in the tuxedo court area within uh, Winnipeg. And the realtor had introduced me to a contractor. Uh, we sat down and we had lunch. He explained what his history was. Keep in mind that this would be my first time in participating in a flipping strategy. I'm in a new province. This is my first project. I've only met this realtor once, was introduced to the contract in the same visit, or sorry, the contractor, found a property of interest, we penciled in the numbers, and I was interested right away. 
we ended up purchasing the property. Um, renovations were on route. And I'd say the whole process we were looking at was about four and a half, maybe about five months from start to completion to a final sale. And it was, a, it, was a, it was a successful outcome, not only from a profit standpoint, but from a learning standpoint as well. Did you know that there is a big difference between investing in real estate and becoming a real estate investor? People become real estate investors all the time. They get into a flip or conversion project or even dealing with long-term tenants. And they come back to us to tell us the same thing. It's like having another full-time job. I don't know about you, but that's not what we call investing. Investing in real estate is about having your money work for you in a way that is passive, consistent, most importantly, hands-off. So which one are you? Do you want to be a real estate investor or do you want to invest in real estate? For those that are open to investing in real estate and having your money work for you, listen up. Garrett Wong has spent decades helping thousands of property owners navigate the ins and outs of property investing and management through his award-winning company, Upper Edge Property Management. Their new division, Upper Edge Capital, is currently involved in multiple projects, from single-family flips to multifamily development. Are you looking for a healthy return on your invested capital, or perhaps becoming a joint venture partner? If so, go to www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest to book a time to speak with Garrett and his team to see if there is a fit. Once again, the link is www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest. Now back to the show. Wow. <laughs> you can see uh, I'm, I'm writing down tons of notes here, but uh, again, I, I, I am shaking my head a little bit. I, I have to admit and I'm thinking, you know, most people research an area, they meet the realtors. So I'm, I'm was on track following you there um, because, you know, your power team and and then you decide to flip a property from out of province with a contractor that you've only met once. Uh, and it was successful. I mean, uh, <laughs> my audience uh, is probably shaking our collective heads <laughs> and good on you uh, because it could have easily gone sideways and you would have run away from Manitoba with your tail between your legs. That's great. I, I wanted to ask because I think the path that you just said, I mean, uh, realtor and then contractor, I mean, that's really how we daisy chain these things when you're trying to get into a new market. How did you find the realtor? Was it an internet search or was it a warm referral? The realtor was referred to me from the, uh, the head of the, the NIC that I had been investing in. So in my conversation with, with him, I was, you know, it sparked an interest in investing in real estate directly myself. And I, I said, look, like I'm, I'm new. Like, I, I don't know anyone. You're the only person I've spoken to. I have not met anyone. So it came with a bit of trust based on the relationship that, you know, this gentleman had with the broker that I work with in Toronto. And he had set me up with a realtor that he knew very well. And um, after coming down to Winnipeg and spending some time with him, I felt very comfortable with the whole process and everyone that I was introduced to. Um, it, it took a bit of trust, of course, a flight away. So it's not like if something's going wrong that I'm able to get there relatively quickly. It was uh, a hands-on learning process that involved a lot of trust. For someone who's somewhat of a conservative investor, it might seem a little bit high risk, but I was comfortable with the decision. And it was a thought-out process. 
I was a part of the decisions all the way through and extremely happy with the outcome. It was actually a good overall experience. No, that, that's amazing. Uh, and I know in the pre-show, we discussed that you have a couple properties in Winnipeg now as buy and holds. Obviously, you didn't uh, you know, go out to a different province for diversification. You, you, you're, you're continuing to grow your portfolio here. Why don't you tell the audience about that decision and, um, and what those, those plans looked like at the time in your, in your mindset? Yeah, I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue in the, um, I guess, so to say, flipping strategy. Uh, the timing of, you know, the, the three or what well, the three years that I had started investing within Winnipeg, I, I had long-term cash cash flow requirements, which was part of my business strategy. Um, I wasn't 100% sure that I was wanting to lean towards more more than one than the other. But after looking at price points, looking at you know the metrics in terms of cap rates in Winnipeg versus Toronto, investing for long-term cash flow became a primary focus for myself. You know, we're looking at uh, cap rates in Toronto and a condominium that are going to be anywhere from two to two and a half percent, whereas a house is going to be, you know, three to three and a half percent. Um, it's very difficult to make or have the, the numbers work for you. Whereas in Winnipeg, we were looking at a little bit more of a favorable price point. Um, cap rates you know, over five, six percent in some cases, um, very stable market. It was a little bit more predictable and the margin for error was a little bit more forgiving Winnipeg than it would be within Toronto or a higher priced area. So I became somewhat committed to wanting to continue within Winnipeg. It fits within my business model. It fits within my long-term goals. And um, in a good way, I like the predictability of, 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 of Winnipeg. Of the boring market. Yeah. <laughs> boring is good. Oh, we, we are uh, experiencing 35 degree heat right now. That's probably one of the good things uh, that you can say about the Winnipeg. Summer. I have not had a chance to be there in the summer months, which I'm a little bit ashamed of because I heard it's very nice. Um, I've only been there in the winter months and uh, it is <laughs> definitely cold. Definitely it cold. It is. It is. Let's talk about challenges. Um, obviously, you've invested in Winnipeg now. What challenges uh, have you had? You know? looking for things, I don't know, financing, like any insurance, any, any other challenges that you, you've had in this market versus your home province? You know, I, I think, I, I wouldn't say it's a challenge, but a primary focus is, is making sure that you have a team in place. Um, assembling a team out of province, especially for the first time, it takes some patience and it takes some trust because you're not hands-on. You're, like I said, you're, you're nowhere near close to do a face-to-face meeting. Some people you don't even meet or I haven't met. And, you know, the biggest challenge is, is just having the trust that people are doing what they've said they're going to do and um, stay committed to the outcome. There were some challenges with interprovincial financing, um, but as a mortgage agent, I was able to uh, partner myself with some agents within Manitoba that were able to help out that understood the market a little bit more. I, I kind of just dealt with it as it came. It wasn't um, anything, you know, very overwhelming. It, it just took some patience um, to make sure that all the chips uh, fell into place, so to say. And uh, we, we found ourselves across the finish line. Yeah. Wow. I, I think it's uh, incredibly important 
you know, I, I have many guests on and, and they just keep talking about those keywords, trust, relationships, power team. And yeah, you're, you're following the same path. Like one trusted referral leads to another, which leads to another. Obviously, nothing's guaranteed. Um, but yeah, I, I find that, that amazing. So in terms of uh, managing the portfolio here and, you know, obviously in Ontario, are you managing everything yourself? No, I, I don't manage any of my properties. Not one of them. It's, um, I look at it all and it, it's just, number one, we do have the distance issue. So even if I was capable of wanting to manage one of my properties, it would be extremely challenging just due to the distance. But I have professional managers on all of my properties. And you decided uh, that early on? I did. You know, it's rather embarrassing. My father is an electrician by trade, uh, very hands-on, whereas I am not. I'm very challenged when it comes to I give you a little story. We, we, my father, my father and I tried to, we rewired my house and I decided that this would be a very good bonding moment and help him in the process. And it didn't work out so well. My father saw me with a screwdriver in my hand and he just shook his head <laughs> and uh, more or less told me, don't worry, it skips a generation. Um, <laughs> stick with the calculator. And oh, I, I'm not, I'm not a hands on, uh, person. So. Fixing uh, anything, you know, as these toilets, uh, you know, plumbing, it just, it's not my forte. Running a full-time job and a business and trying to manage a property is, it's next to impossible. So I have professional managers in place that they deal with everything. I speak with the managers. I know what my properties are doing. I know what's happening. I know the challenges that we have. I know the positive things that are, are moving along with the property. I have a, a very good pulse on what's happening. But all of my tenants could show up at my front door today and they would not know who I am and I would not know who they are. It's been a very big part of my business strategy to have professional management in place. I've seen ever so quickly how a property can deteriorate without the proper management, the proper management in place. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm writing notes here because uh, that's the exact same thing and strategy that uh, my other guest use i mean he was he's self managing certain ones but his success in so called managing the managers i'm sure i'm sure you've heard that term is communication and frequent check-ins and just knowing good and bad and um just getting that cadence down and uh yeah i, I think uh i'm seeing a lot of parallels that are already coming out of these two episodes so i think that's great right um so <sighs> I got the impression that you're doing this all on your own, but I'll ask anyways, um, do you use JV partners? And if so, is that part of your strategy investments in other provinces or even in your home province? I have in the past on a few of my, my projects, but have elected to move away from that, uh, uh, that business model. At this point in my life and my career, I am looking to reallocate capital long-term um, I'm less interested in sharing, so to say, profits at this point. It's, I have utilized private financing in some cases where there's been, you know, a temporary, uh, renovation requirement or something that was strategically done to the property to bring it up to its highest and best, best use and refinance back at a, a major bank or a lender. But partners that I've had, so to say, it's been more transactional. 
It's not necessarily a relationship. I have used them for private financing or private uh, funding, but it's it's nothing long term. Um, I'm looking to reposition long term, and I'm looking to do most of uh, what I'm doing at this point in my career um, on my own, so to say. That's an interesting perspective because um, my last two guests actually were talking about the you know joint ventures agreements, uh, co-ownerships on larger apartment blocks. And, you know, my wife and I are struggling with this too, because, you know, you can take on a joint venture on a smaller duplex or a house and there's safety in numbers, but then, like you said, now you're splitting up equity in a piece of the pie. So I think it's a very strategic decision um, to try to grow faster. Um, I know many investors who, you know, they've expanded to dozens, if not hundreds of units using joint ventures. But yes, there's there's a complexity to that. There's complexity in exits. There's complexity in refinancing, repositioning. And then, then all the different relationships, you know, multiply that at scale. Um, it's a lot, a lot of things. Or choosing to be, you know, grow a little bit slower, but, the, you know, you've got full equity. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm struggling with that one as well. So it's interesting that uh, you're choosing to go that route. Yeah, I mean, I think partners would make more sense on on larger projects. But for what I'm doing, you know, kind of on the the lower tier end and uh, duplexes and triplexes, I'm focusing on doing that myself. But I I see how this would be more of an interest if you're looking to scale where I'm looking to, uh, which is actually of interest uh, moving forward, but um, larger projects that are going to, you know, require a larger commitment of capital. Um, whether it be just for acquisition or renovations, but for what I'm doing at this point, it it makes more sense for me to, if I have to, in some cases, stretch myself to try to make it work on my own. But I, I do see the need absolutely for for larger projects where uh, a partner would make would make sense, and I, I wouldn't be hesitant to bring on a partner because I've slowly established a track record of my knowledge within the province of Winnipeg at this point. Um, I'm going to have a, a better understanding on how things function versus uh, someone that's never invested in the province. And there are a lot of people right now that are looking to invest outside of Ontario for the very reasons that I'm looking to. So I would bring a competitive advantage to someone that would be interested. Uh, I do have that track record, so to say, that shows, you know, like I, I have an idea of what's going on within Winnipeg. And, uh, you know, I have a so, so properties to show for it and bringing on an investor would be a, a little bit more easier for me because I, I'm already planted here, so to say, within Winnipeg. Well, track record is everything. I know myself, I being in the property management business for 25 years, I have a lot of larger deals that cross my desk. And uh, now that I'm choosing to go back into the investment, now that the property management company is kind of running on its own with my uh, management team. Yeah. I mean, putting together these bigger deals, I, you know, I'll have a larger apartment block that crosses my desk and I can bring three or four, I want to say like-minded people. Cause I think it's important. You don't want somebody just with money. You have to be able to work with everybody, even if they're passive and then yeah, um, lift, renovate, lift a distressed asset. I'm, you know, we're very good as a management company, getting things off rent control in Manitoba. That can be a challenge. And then refining and everybody gets most of their money back and now you have a cash flowing asset. But 
I think that works really, really well on larger assets. I agree with you. Like the smaller ones, it's probably not necessary unless you're either trying to, you know, get somebody introduced into the business for a, a larger purpose or things like that, for sure. Right. Yeah. Very much agree. Very much agree. So I was going to ask, are you um, continuing to invest in Winnipeg? And if so, uh, what's focusing your efforts these days? Yeah. Funny enough, I think I'm, I'm definitely continuing to uh, look at opportunities. I would like to eventually start getting into some of the uh, smaller apartment blocks. I still like what I see. I still like the numbers. I still like what's happening. Uh, everything from uh, investment within, within Winnipeg, immigration numbers. I, I see a lot of need for... The housing stock seems to be fairly old within Winnipeg. I'll drive down the street and I'll see a lot of old-time, let's say, war houses. Then we'll see two or three brand new homes that have been built within that street. So it looks like there is still a need for some improvement in, in the housing stock, which is of, of, of interest to me. And I will continue to look for opportunities, but long-term, I would definitely like to get into um, the, the larger units or the, the apartment blocks, so to say. I like the idea of having more income spread across a larger number of units, the economies of scale are much more favorable. It uh, long-term fits within my uh, business model and retirement strategy, so to say. So I will, I will definitely continue to, to, to look within Winnipeg for, for, for opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, your structured approach to investing right from when you were a teenager in high school, um, very methodical. I applaud you on that because... Uh, I, I can tell you, like I admit, I don't have that kind of focus. I'm kind of uh, ADHD all over the place, um, and uh, I, I can I can use a page from that book. So uh, so thank you for that. And I'm looking at the clock here, uh, running on the podcast, and I can't believe <laughs> we've been uh, here for almost 45 minutes. So I think we'll wrap it up. But uh, I ask every guest the same question because I love to hear this. I'm going to you know, hear what you have to say. So this is the Investing to Win podcast. How do you define success? And what does winning look like for you? I think winning is being financially independent and having a healthy and enjoyable life with, with family and friends on short-term and long-term. You need to have both sides of the coin. Being financially independent, I would say, is the biggest win, so to say. It allows you to do more. It allows you to spend time with friends and family and concentrate on, on other areas in your life as well. Very well put. I resonate with that very much as well. So great, great, great answer. Well, Daryl, um, I'd like to thank you for hanging out with me for the last hour. And I wish you best of luck. No, absolutely. Anytime we'll have to get you on to uh, speak about more about mortgages. We'll put your contact info in the show notes so people can get in touch with you if they're interested. And yeah, good luck in your journey and, and keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you're an inspiration to our, to our audience. Thank you, my friend. And thank you again for having me. All right. Take care. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Investing to Win podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If this episode made you think of another investor, take a screenshot and share this podcast episode with them. Investing to Win is not only about helping you to win more, but WIN actually stands for Wise Investors Network. It's where we help our investors build a hands-off portfolio 
and have passive investments work for them. To see how you can potentially partner with us, go to www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest to learn more. Once again, the link is www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest. All links can be found in the description below. Until next time.